Good morning, church. Welcome to the Exchange Church. I know we have a lot of first-time guests here today. My name is Trey. My wife, Carrie, and I are the senior pastors of the Exchange Church. The Exchange Church is a place where purpose is awakened and developed. And you have come to the right place this morning, the right place at the right time, because I believe that the Lord has a word for you this morning. For those of you that's not your first or second time, you're already family, you know that. Uh, welcome back home. We're glad that you're here this morning. Um, if you have your phones and are a social media person, go ahead and share the stream of today's service. If you're watching online, we're so happy that you've joined us. Make sure that you share it. It's never been easier to invite all of your contacts to church. You know, it's so easy just to share what God is doing at the Exchange Church through social media. So share our stream on Facebook. I almost said Twitter. We're not on Twitter. Twitter's not on Twitter. It's X. So um, Facebook, YouTube, and the church website. Feel free to do that. Uh, Brian, I'm praying for you. Brian lost his brother uh, yesterday morning, I believe. Brian's with his mom. Right now, we're praying for his family. In fact, will you just stretch your hands toward the camera? Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak over Brian Suarez and his mom, his family, the loss that they're experiencing right now. God, I understand that you walk through the suffering of men, and you are the peace that passes all understanding. So God, I just ask in the name of Jesus that you will comfort them, that you will be a comfort to their family, even now through this loss. In Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say Amen. I love you, Brian. Thank you for watching today. Get home safe, and I'll see you soon. Um, well, today is a good day. Amen? Today is a good day to renew my mind, to encourage my soul, align with truth, and walk in faith. If there's ever going to be a day to do all of that, it might as well be today. This might be the day where we renew our mind, encourage our soul, align with truth, and walk in faith. I begin a new series today, and I'm calling it, You Were Made for This. <laughs> you were made for this. You know, the self-help industry is booming. I mean, if we have any self-help experts in the room, you're probably sitting pretty good, if you know what I mean, because the self-help industry is booming. You can just go to any bookstore. You can even throw on a Google search for self-help. You're going to find tons of resources out there. Uh, how can you be happy? What are the five steps you can follow to be a millionaire? What are the seven steps that you need to get the career that you want? You know, the me, 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 me. And, and Christians sure know how to baptize and sanctify the me monster don't we? Come on. I just want to use my gifts to serve the Lord. Uh-oh. I just want to sit in his presence and soak a little bit. My calling, my purpose, my, 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 my. What about helping the guy next to you? What are the five steps that you can do to help the person next to you lose some weight? What are the seven steps that you can follow to help the person next to you find the job that they want? How can you help the person next to you soak in the presence of God? How can you help someone else find their purpose and their calling and their fit in the body? 
today in this series, you were made for this. I want to, over the course of this series, talk about many things that you were made for. But today, I want to start this series off with a strong one and let you know, Just, I just came here to remind you today that you were made for others. Will you stand to your feet? I want to honor the reading of God's word. We're going to go to the book of Acts, chapter 3. Verses 1 through 10. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame, that means he couldn't walk. It didn't mean he was dull. Okay? He's a lame man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Father, we come before you today. I thank you for your word that is alive and it is powerful. And I ask God that you would just, God, help us to recognize the gold that is in this message for our unique situation. God, I know that you can divide this message 200 different ways to speak to the unique need to every person here today. God, I ask that our hearts would be open and our minds would be ready to receive all that you have. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Before you sit down, I want you to turn to at least four or five people and look them in the eye, smile, and say, you were made for this, and then you may be seated. You were made for this. Come on, nobody sits down quietly. You were made. You were made for this, kid. You were, you were made for this. You were made for this. Anyone ever heard that before? Like you were about to do something really scary and like a dad or a mom or a cousin or an uncle or a coach said you were made for this. Anyone? Like that, that just resonates so deeply in my soul when that happens to me. So uh, at any point, if you see me before a sermon, you can be like, Trey, you were made for this. And I'll be like, yes, I was. Let's go preach. In June 23rd, 2018, 12 soccer players ages 11 through 16 and their 25-year-old coach went exploring the caves in Thailand after soccer practice. They were two and a half miles inside the cave when it flooded and they could not get out the way they had come in. 
starving and quickly running out of oxygen, the team survived by drinking fresh water that dripped from a cave stalactite and repeated the mantra, Susu. That's Thai for keep fighting. Remain calm. Susu. How many heard this story in 2018? You still remember like the, the uh, trepidation, the anxiety of, are we going to get to them? I mean, they went and they got lost on June 23rd. They weren't actually rescued. They were pulled out. It took two days to get them out, July 8th, 9th, and 10th. I guess that's three days. So the 8th through the 10th, it took three days to get everyone out, all 13. Uh, the boys' search and rescue stole the global spotlight. I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, as an international group of cave diving experts led by the Thai Navy SEALs raced to evacuate them. British divers discovered the group about two and a half miles inside the cave on July 2nd. So they got lost on June 23rd. You do the math. June 23rd, they realized they can't get back to the exit of the cave. They weren't actually discovered. Their location wasn't discovered until July 2nd. That's a long time to be in a cave. <laughs> Whew, I'm glad that was not me. I feel claustrophobic just when there are three people in the backseat of a car. I can't imagine being in a cave with no escape. And I don't know what the light situation was, but drinking water from a stalactite, that's a long time. Uh, then our, our friend, Elon Musk, got on board. Now, I don't know what you think about Elon. I don't I don't think much about him, except he built a really big factory here. Uh, I pass it every day, almost, for work. And uh, so he's, he's an Austinite now, apparently. I want to make sure that you guys, if you see him, invite him to church. <laughs> yes, yes, we'll take Elon. Elon, if you're watching me right now, we're located at 1601 South IH35. Elon Musk heard the story of the boys and the coach in the cave, and here's what Elon did now. Obviously, I don't agree with everything that Elon does, but I love what he did here. He built a kid-sized submarine to help rescue the children. And if you go back through his Twitter feed, you, you see that he brought the best engineers. They even sent engineers on site to Thailand to try to be of help to the Thai government. He did everything that he could. Uh, the the submarine was called or named Wild Boar after the name of the team, the soccer team. The boys were the wild boars. Uh, he built it for the rescue effort. Now, the interesting thing is that the Thai government ended up not using the submarine. So Elon spent how much ever money, nothing to Elon, to build the submarine, gets it to Thailand, and it ends up not really being utilized for the rescue now, what a lot of people would have done is take their submarine and gone home. But Elon didn't. Elon said, that's okay, you don't want to use my submarine, that's okay, we'll just we'll put it to the side. And Elon stayed and his team on site to offer help in any capacity that was needed. Without the millions of dollar submarine. In fact, at the end of the rescue mission, Elon decided to leave the submarine there in case the Thai government could ever utilize it in future res rescue mi missions. So the world watched. I remember watching the news every night during that season, 
We watched and waited as teams of people came together, including Elon and his submarine, to rescue the boys and their coach in an extremely dangerous effort. All the boys were finally rescued between July 8th and 10th. It seems like when there's crisis, unity and resilience of people surface. You know, when there's a a massive tragedy, like 13 people stuck in a cave, suddenly all the world is is like fighting to rescue these people. We, We saw it in September of 2001. Twin Towers were hit by airplanes, and we saw the people of America, all sides of the political spectrum, come together We were unified, we were resilient, particularly New York, which I think that's a special kind of breed anyway. New Yorkers are pretty strong. But crisis creates cohesion in people. We saw it on October 7th of this past year in Israel. When Israel was attacked October 7th, Israel was on the verge of massive division. Massive division. Then the attack happened on October 7th. And the people came together like never before, very quickly, because when there is crisis, when there is tragedy, people come together. You you know what I'm talking about. You probably have a family member that you never really talk to, you prefer not to talk to, you have to work up the courage to even see them on holidays. But then when there's a death in the family or there's a tragedy in the family, suddenly like there's this bond and there's this love, even with the person that you never really even talk to because crisis just kind of does that. Crisis kind of gets us out of our inward focus and we get focused on those around us that are also going through the similar crisis. But I'm here to remind us church folk today that not only in crisis, not only in tragedy, but every day, you were made for others. It shouldn't take people stuck in a cave, or planes hitting towers, or bombs going off, or invasions happening, for you to understand that you were designed by God's hand to help other people. You were made for others. That's exactly what our scripture tells us, isn't it? The scripture, Acts 3, that we just stood and we listened as the word of God was read. We, we heard of a beggar who was sitting by a gate called Beautiful. This beggar was a, a lame man from the mother's womb. So something had been wrong with his legs, his ankle bones, the text says, since the day he was born. And we know from chapter 4, verse 22, that this man was over 40 years old. So for over 40 years, this man has not been able to walk. He didn't just recently break his leg. He didn't just recently come into a disease. For over 40 years, this man has never taken a walk. He was a perpetual dependent. He wasn't able to keep a job. He was just trying to get by. Every day, someone had to carry him to the temple gate, beautiful, so that he could receive charity. His whole life revolved around charity, whether or not I was going to get a handout that day. This is the life of the beggar in Acts chapter 3. It's not an event 
The story that we're reading is not an event, it's a lifestyle for him. For over 40 years, the way that he ate, the way that he clothed himself, the way that he paid for Netflix, was by asking for alms at the gate. Beautiful. You see, he had a problem that no one could fix. Every day he'd be carried to the gate. This, this gate, beautiful, it was the biggest gate, by the way. There are many gates, uh, but this is the biggest gate. Most of the gates are gold-plated, but this gate, beautiful, is solid gold. It's so heavy that 20 men had to be used to open and close this gate. And this is the gate, the very biggest gate that the beggar is sitting by. And three times a day, people would go to the temple for prayer. Now, this is Acts 3, so you know that in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit fell, and 3,000 people were added to the church. But there weren't church buildings yet. So the new converts, the new believers, those 3,000 who had just been added to the the church, they were showing up three times a day to the temple for prayer. So they were still following some of the religious tradition that they had known in their Jewish customs. And the ninth hour, by the way, is 3 p.m. And so this is the time when John and Peter are headed to the temple at 3 p.m. It's the craziest time of day, time of prayer, because all the sacrifices were happening at 3 p.m. So now we have, at 3 p.m., a beggar at the biggest gate, at the time of prayer where it was going to be the biggest crowd, and Peter and John happen to be walking by. Uh, Please note that this beggar went to the church for help. Mm-hmm. In 40 years, the best the church house could do was charity. In 40 years, the very best that the church house could do was offer a piece of bread and a cup of water. But this time was about to be different. <laughs> and I love bread. I love water. I prefer bread with bananas in it. Banana bread. Especially my wife. She made, this is off topic. She made rhubarb cake last night. And I ate half of the loaf. Because if I didn't, my sons who were getting home after me were going to eat the whole thing. So I'm changing the story. This man was asking for a rhubarb cake. He went to the church for help. And the church could only give him charity. The church couldn't change his destiny. In other words, the church made it convenient to be a beggar. (laughs) Because nothing changed about this man's circumstance. For over 40 years. And I, I, I suppose I'm grateful that at least the church house was given enough alms, the temple, that the people were given enough that he could survive for 40 years. That says something that's kind of like love, but I don't, I don't know. I don't just want to be a church that offers bread and water. I want to be a church that offers transformation, life change, that people leave different than the way that they came. We're not just about charity here. We're about 
The Holy Spirit intervening on our behalf in our circumstances and changing the situations that we are in. Hmm. Enter. Enter Peter and John. You notice uh, it tells us that they're there on the the ninth hour, 3 p.m. They're going there to pray. Praying three times a day. There's an emphasis on prayer in this story because prayer allows us to access the resources of heaven to impact the earth. Prayer shifts atmospheres. Prayer causes the lame man to leap again. Prayer causes the divorced couple to reconcile. Prayer causes the dead to live again. Are you, are you with me? So we're emphasis, there's an emphasis on prayer in this story. And that's why Jesus said, my house should be called a house of prayer. He didn't say, my house should be called a house of preaching. <laughs> my house should be called a house of singing. My house should be called a house of engaging kids ministry. My, my house should be a house of creativity. I mean, all of these things are important, but that's not what Jesus identified as. He identified his house as a house of prayer because he understood that it's not preaching that changes people. It's not good worship that changes people, and that was great worship. It's not good children's ministry that changes people. It's not nice parkers that change people. And we got some nice parkers. Some churches, they have grumpy parkers. Ours are nice. Even in the rain, the cold, the heat, our parkers. But it's not the parkers that are going to change the life. It's not the info desk. It's not the cameraman. They're doing a great job. But guess what? It's not actually them moving the camera that's going to change the life. It's not the sound person, not the light person. It's not the person that vacuum. Not even the person that cleaned the toilets. It's the prayer of a righteous person that avails much. It is when prayer begins to stir in a church that suddenly things begin to shift. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. I want to remind us all that this Wednesday is prayer night at the Exchange Church. We call it Awaken. It's the first Wednesday of every month. We pray from 6.30 to 7.30 uh, you show up, it's not, it's not organized, it's not disorganized. It's just you show up, we pray, somebody is singing. They always have sounded good. Somebody's doing communion, somebody's reading a scripture. It's just time for you to kind of carve out some time, the first Wednesday of the month, for you to put prayer first in your month. And that's this Wednesday, 6.30 to 7.30. Then at 7.30, we cut loose with family night. And we, we get crazy with some board games, let me tell you. We have tons of fun just connecting, bring food, queso, chips, um, tamales, whatever it is that you like. I, if you like to make chicken enchiladas, you're welcome to bring those, Hosanna. You can bring... <laughs> I'm just going to start naming all your foods that I like that you make. Because it's family night, 7.30 to 9. I've, I've gotten off topic. Let me get back. Prayer changes things. And the beggar is asking, he's asking for help at the time of prayer. And in verse 4, it says, And fixing his eyes on him, 
verse 4. Acts 3, verse 4. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter says something. Peter says to the beggar, look at us. He says, look at us. So the beggar gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Now, if you're a beggar sitting at the gate, it's like if you're standing on, I don't know, some random street of Austin, Texas, and there's a stoplight, and, and you're needing money, and you've got your sign there, and, and the sign says, I'm homeless, I'm a veteran, I've got kids, I love pets, whatever it is that the the sign says to captivate the person's attention that's sitting in the car. If the window starts rolling down, do you know what they immediately think? I need to walk to that car. The sign for them to receive, they're about to receive, is when that window comes down. So I just imagine the beggar sitting there, hundreds, maybe thousands of people, three times a day are... They're passing the beggar, not saying a thing, because most people won't look at the homeless and make eye contact with them when you're sitting at the red light. Most won't. Most will pick up their phone and pretend to be talking to someone else. Most will just look at their phone, pretend to be. You just won't make eye contact. Even if you don't have money to give or water to give or an extra burger to give them, give them the dignity of eye contact. Megan, how's your day, sir? God bless you. Most people won't do that. And I imagine that the beggar, same thing. The beggar sitting here at the temple, at the gate. It, it's the most busy time of prayer. And most people are hustling past him, not making eye contact. But Peter says, look at us. He's rolling down that window. And the beggar, maybe his heart's starting to race. He's like, I'm about to get something now. I'm about to get something now. Can you imagine the disappointment the beggar must have felt when Peter follows up with, look at us with, I ain't got no money, man. That's what he said. Silver and gold. Verse 6, Peter says, silver and gold I do not have. So that was the first thing out of his mouth. Rolls down the window. Hey, look at us. <laughs> I ain't got no money. The beggar's heart drops a little bit. Peter comes back in and says, but what I do have, I'll give to you. Maybe you've done this. You've rolled down your window and said, I, I ain't got any money, but I've got this extra bottle of water. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And they take the water or they take the extra sandwich or they take the leftovers from Chewy's, whatever it is, whatever it is that you've got. They're like normally so grateful that you've offered it to him. This is exactly what Peter does. He says, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He says, he says I don't have what you want, but I got what you need. He, he says, what you have asked of us is to be a part of the temple welfare system. We're not going to do that. But we do have something that we will give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Now he's hearing something that he's not heard for over 40 years. He hears the word walk and it is appropriated to every other person but him because his ankles don't work. 
When I struggled with gout for a number of years, you guys may remember, I, there were moments I would be on crutches, moments I couldn't even walk. My foot would swell up. The ER guy in Vegas, we were driving through Vegas one time, and I had a gout flare up, and my wife had to drive the big RV, and she took me into the hospital, um, and he looked at it, and he was like, man, your foot looks like a sausage. And I was like, yeah, it was just one big, massive thing. The gout is awful. I just had assumed I would never run again. Never. Because any little injury, any small injury to my foot, if I rolled an ankle, if I just stepped on a rock outside and popped a little bone in one of my toes, a gout flare-up would happen. And so I would watch people running, and I would say to myself, man, one of the first things I do when I get to heaven, I'm going to run. And I, I just looked forward to it. I, I appropriated running to everyone else but me. I just wasn't healthy enough for it. I just couldn't do it. And then over time, God started moving on my heart to what, change my eating and, and do things differently and start exercising and lose some weight. And before you know it, I was able to walk and then walk fast and then do a little bit of a jog, Eric. And then eventually I was able to run. Now... I can run for at least two minutes, but that ain't my feet issues. That's, I just can't breathe. But I wonder if that's what the beggar felt when Peter said, walk. <laughs> walk? I can't walk. I don't know if you know this. You're probably new around here, but I haven't walked in 40 years. I've never walked. But when the Spirit of God moves on someone to speak into your life to do something you've never done, it's that same Spirit that will give you the ability to do that which has never been done in your life before. Peter said, well, I love that Peter said, Silver and gold, I don't have. But what I do have, I give to you. So that begs the question this morning. What did they have? What did John and Peter have that allowed them to speak and to do what they were doing? What Peter and John had was what I would call delegated authority. They said, in the name of. Jesus of Nazareth, walk. He didn't, he didn't say, I tell you, walk. In the name of Trey, walk. No, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. What they had to give was delegated authority. Now you and I have been delegated from heaven the authority to speak into life to change destinies. Peter and John passing by the beggar, probably thinking, we have been given the authority to speak to a problem you've had for over 40 years. The authority to help your tomorrow look better than your today. The authority to help your future outrun your past. You see, they've been given authority from heaven just as you have been given authority from heaven. And now Jesus executes his will on earth through people just like you and me. We read the stories of old of the prophets, 
of the judges, of the disciples, of the apostles, of the pro- everyone that God used. And we think, man, God really shaped the earth through them. But even today, God wants to shape the earth through you. You were made for others. Ephesians 3, verse 20 through 21 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to what? The power that works in us. The power that works in us. I don't have silver or gold. But what I do have this morning, I give to you. The power of God that's at work within me. Romans 8 says that the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you, lives inside of me. And I may not have the silver and gold of the world. I may not come from the greatest pedigree of the upper echelon of society. But what I have, I give to you this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. made for others. Peter and John were authorized agents. You are an authorized agent of the king. That means when you say something that is in the will of God, all of heaven backs up what you put out there. Heaven will finish what you speak as long as you're speaking what heaven authorizes. Okay? Peter and John was an authorized agent. You are an authorized agent. Let's put it like this. Have you ever been where police, maybe the lights aren't working, the the stoplights aren't working, and the police are having to direct traffic? Right? Sometimes it's no big deal, just a few cars. Sometimes there's a lot of cars and a lot of different lanes, and it ain't pretty. Right, And that man or that woman with that uniform on, they're like, you, go, go. Sometimes they're nice, sometimes they're not. It's okay, I smile anyway. No, you, go, go. Okay, stop. When, when they go like this, what do you do? Hit the brake. Don't want to run over the cop. Then go, go, go. You know, they have the power to direct traffic, not because they're beautiful, not because they're strong, not because they've got muscles, not because they're over 5'10", 5'11", 6'2". They don't hire only 6'4", policemen so they can be seen above the cars. They have the authority to change the traffic because they are an authorized agent. It's the authority that they carry that causes the traffic to submit. I remember one time I was... I was driving down, I was heading out to a deer lease. We were going to go uh, praying over some animals. And 
we were at the Y in Oak Hill and there was no wreck, but it's, it's a lot of traffic, it was congested. And there was a, a very non-sober uh, little man on the corner directing traffic that didn't need to be directed because the lights were working. But he was yelling at us, doing this, and it was just so cute and hilarious. And I'm like, why is, why is he directing traffic? And he was getting so mad because, Brian, when he went like that, cars just kept going if the light said green. He was trying to function in the authority that he didn't carry. If you go to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and you go up to the guard and you say, I want to speak to the president, Pastor Trey said that I could. You are going to be escorted away from there. Because Trey carries no authority at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Now you show up to our information desk. Hey, Pastor Trey said that I could get an extra mint. You might get an extra mint. Because the name Pastor Trey at 1601 South IH35, Round Rock, Texas, carries a little bit more authority. So it's, under, it's important that you and I understand that just because you know the name, Just because you know the name Pastor Trey doesn't mean it's going to carry authority with you at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Just because you know the name Jesus, that name that even demons know, doesn't mean that it's going to authorize you to carry authority into every situation. Are you... Are you with me? This reminds me of the story in Acts 19. Paul had been casting out demons. And seven sons of a high priest came and they were watching Paul cast out demons. They said, I think we can do that. And the seven sons of Siva began to cast out demons from one man. <laughs> and that demon responded. I don't know if I'm ever casting out demons. And that demon starts talking to me. I'm going to say, let me go get my wife. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I said, you say what? The demons started talking to these seven sons. And they said, Jesus we know. And Paul we know. But who are you? Trying to use the name of Jesus unauthorized. The Bible tells us that that demon-possessed man jumped on all seven of those sons of Siva and they ran out naked and bruised and beaten. At the Exchange Church, we don't just say the name of Jesus because it's a name that we've heard. We use the name of Jesus with authority. Because it is a name we have encountered. Be agents of transformation, church. Be agents in a culture that's gone crazy. Be agents of transformation. We'll close our sermon today. I'm going to ask our worship team to come up. I, I want to end with prayer. In verse 7, we see that 
Peter took the beggar by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately, look at your neighbor and say, immediately. Immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength. Notice that they prayed before he reached out his hand. And it's only after that that he was healed. So the prayer wasn't enough. If the prayer was enough, the ankle bones would have been healed before Peter reached out his hand. James tells us that faith without works is dead. And so we pray a prayer of faith, but sometimes I got to reach my hand down and I got to say, stand to your feet. And in that moment, when our faith is mixed with works, the miracle happens. That's exactly what we're doing at 2 p.m. today. We have covered this outreach in prayer. We have prayed for the homeless community, for people in Austin, but we're now going to mix with prayer our feet. We got to get the stuff that's on our lips down to our feet. Because we can pray all day, but if we're not praying and adding action to it, we're not going to see transformation. So at 2 p.m. today, in fact, I encourage you, as you exit today, you're going to see the table with all of the hats, the gloves, the socks, the sleeping bags. You guys have donated so much stuff that we're going to give away today. And we're going to walk the streets of Austin, Texas. And we're going to, we're going to go to the homeless people. We're going to find them in the alleys and on the sides of the road. And we're going to love on them. We're going to hug them. We're going to pray for them. We're going to reach them for Jesus by giving them socks, giving them charity. But with that charity, we're going to also add on the name of Jesus. Will you stand to your feet? Before we go today, we've got just a few minutes that I, I've asked our prayer team, our prayer team, our agents of transformation, I've asked them to come on to the front because I want to spend just a few minutes while we worship today. And if you need some prayer, if you need prayer in your life, if you need to connect with others, this is your moment. Prayer team, come on to the front. So if you have any need at all, any need, please come to the front. Let one of our prayer partners pray with you today. If you don't have a need, I'm going to ask you just to agree with those that are here. Lift your hands and worship, and let's worship today. Great. 
next year you were made for this you were made for this I want to remind you that at 2 p.m. today we have the homeless outreach show up right here at church 2 p.m. we're going to uh, whatever you call it carpool down to Austin and we're going to hand those out it normally takes a couple of hours to so show up at 2 we have a team here we'll spend a little bit of time in prayer first and then we will head out also, don't forget that this Wednesday is Awaken, 6.30 p.m., followed by Family Night. And finally, before you leave, or as you leave, you may notice that there are some cookies out there to celebrate. You may hear some bagpipes playing, so if you feel like uh, doing a little jig, feel free to. We are celebrating Miss Connie, who's turned 75 years young yesterday. Miss Connie, we love you so much. Happy birthday. Thank you for the cookies. We will see you at 2 p.m. God bless you. Now that you've been to church, go be the church.